Welcome to the Back to Basketball Podcast. Athletes, experts, trainers, and mindset coaches. Conversations that will change your perspective on your mind and body and its capabilities so that you can train and live pain-free and with purpose. Now, here's your host, Darcy Koss. Today on the Back to Basketball Podcast, we have Matthew Koenig. Matthew is the founder of Alliance Athletics, whose goal is to empower people to perform, boost resiliency, and live life pain-free. Matt is a former college basketball player, and he also played on the FIBA 3x3 World Tour. Matt was prescribed ankle surgery. He didn't get the surgery. He decided to fix himself. Today, we talk about ankle range of motion, how important the ankles are in performance, how the ankles function with other areas in your body, and exercises people can start doing to develop more resilient and robust ankles. Remember to like, rate, subscribe, and write a review on the podcast, as well as follow us on social media. Okay, here's my interview with Matthew Koenig. All right, we are live. All right, we have Matthew Koenig uh, on the Back to Basketball podcast today. Matthew, welcome, and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Darcy. Now, Matt, you and I were chatting. Um, I, you know, anyone who knows us knows we're good friends. Um, and there's something that you and I have been talking a lot about recently. And I was like, you know what? Just come on the podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's get the, the message out. And, you know, the thing that I want to talk about, or we said, hey, let's talk about, and it's something that you really feel strongly about. Um, and, you know, as a result of your, I would say, for lack of a better word, preaching, I also feel very strongly about it as well. You've done a very good job at convincing me how important this is. And that thing is ankle range of motion. Now you have a story that I think will resonate with lots of people because um, you were prescribed surgery as a result of some ankle mobility issues, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I was actually prescribed um, double ankle surgery, uh, surgery about uh, three or four years back. And um, it was really the result of just uh so I'll kind of take it back a little bit further, um, you know, just sort of growing up, um, I wanted to really increase my, my vertical jump. I wanted to be as explosive as I could. And so, um, you know, I did my due diligence, I thought, and just sort of dove into as much knowledge as I could find. But the sort of uh, common information that was out there and the trainers that uh, I was involved with at the time um, and just sort of the influences that I had just led me down a path of uh, that led to my body becoming structurally imbalanced. So mm. I, have, I have my larger muscles, such as my glutes, my low back, my hamstrings, my quads were extremely strong. Um, and I actually felt really good. I felt really explosive. But um, eventually what started to happen was that I had all these nagging pains and aches in my ankles. I had, um, you know, ankle sprains in the past that didn't uh, weren't rehab properly. Mm -hmm. And just, it was a general, um, sort of oversight, um, on, on like focusing on the ankles. And so what actually ended up happening is eventually, um, I just started noticing that I needed to warm up, you know, 30, 20 to 30 minutes just to jump. Um, and then I would feel okay. But then the next day I would just feel like I couldn't even walk on my feet. That's how bad it got to at, at one point, like the, uh, and I'm sure those of you who are listening to this along the inside of your, of your ankle, where the bone of your ankle is right underneath there. Uh, it's a really common place to feel sort of discomfort, pain. Uh, so I had that really bad. It was just really uh, uncomfortable for me. And so I went to the doctor and um, the foot specialist, I got referred to a foot specialist who then 
essentially told me that the range of motion in my ankles was so bad um, that it was placing so much strain on my Achilles tendon. And while my muscles were strong and like while I was uh, still training and in shape, I was at risk of tearing my Achilles tendon, which is the largest tendon in your body. So it's a major, major injury. Mm -hmm. Um, And so pretty much what he told me is that there's no real way to a viable way to just increase my range of motion naturally that I would have to do it through surgery. Otherwise I would just end up tearing my Achilles at some point. And I could literally feel it. I, I remember distinctly like, um, you know, backpedaling in a basketball game and then the play would, would change direction. Like the, the ball would go the other way and I would plant to push off my, mm-hmm. my foot and I could feel like the tension in my Achilles and it was sore and like, it just did not feel right. And so I got prescribed this double ankle surgery to lengthen out my, or open up the range of motion in my ankles surgically. And, um, that was really the wake up, the wake up call for me to, you know, seek, um, alternative methods and uh and really because i even asked the doctor i said well Mm -hmm. there's no way like i don't want to get this surgery this is a major surgery um and he wasn't really any help to me um so i i set out sort of um with a goal in mind to you know open up my range and my ankles and uh, and you know just achieve uh proper balance in my body i used to be like a one-leg jumper back in high school and at this point in my life i wasn't able even to uh, my my single leg jump was a joke compared to my two foot jump so yeah i was just really not in a good place uh, physically yeah that's that's interesting so just for clarity what exactly was the procedure like what were they going to do to lengthen it to like attach muscle like was it like an acl type you know where they were take something from somewhere else like what were they going to do i'm i'm not exactly sure like i didn't I don't, it was a while ago and I don't really, I didn't, honestly, I didn't ask too many questions about it. I was yeah. just so turned off by it that I was just like, no, I'm not doing that. Like I didn't yeah. even really, I didn't even really listen to a lot of the stuff that he was talking about in the, in the moment, like when he was explaining what they were going to do and how long the recovery was going to be. Uh-huh. Um, but if I'm, I know, I remember him talking about uh, like, essentially they were going to do some sort of procedure that was going to lengthen my Achilles tendon. Cause he was saying that my Achilles tendon was, was uh, short, um, you know, just naturally. And then mm-hmm. the stress that I was putting on it and the previous injuries that I had was causing it to be even more sort of constrained the range of motion, even, you know, tighter. Mm-hmm. And I remember at this point, um, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later in the, in the, in the show, but um, one thing you can do to sort of test your ankle range is you can, you can put your foot up against uh, the corner of a wall and try and push your knee as far as you can forward until it can touch the wall. Mm-hmm. And you should be able to back your foot up a couple inches from the wall and still touch the wall with your knee. I was not able to touch my knee to the wall with my toes also touching the wall. That's how bad it was. Like I literally wow. could not push my ankle or my knee past my toe at that point. Wow. Um, and I had flat feet, you know, I had all these other things uh, that were contributing to it, but uh, wow. it was just a mess. Yeah. That's crazy. So like you said, you were training for a while. Uh, you know, you were, you were training very explosively with power and explosion. And you were indeed, you know, somewhat of a trainer at the time. I think you were transitioning and learning how to, you know, train people and you had these problems. So now you've seen the light, you're like, okay, like I don't have these problems anymore. I know exactly why, but why do you think that the ankle is neglected uh, in training, uh, you know, by trainers and, and just pe- athletes generally, I would say, whether they be trainers or not, no one's like, yo, I'm going to go train my ankles. Why is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a 
good, a really good question. Um, I think in my experience, so like, I, like you said, at that point um, in time, I was just starting to get into the training game. Um, you know, I, I kind of transitioned out of uh, playing competitive basketball and I was getting into the training game. And um, I think a lot of it is, I don't think it's a lack of knowledge because the knowledge is out there it's a, it's an oversight and it's, uh, most people are looking at the ankle as like, um, they're looking at it as, as a small piece in the puzzle that like, yes, you need to take care of it. Like you, you need to do that. You need to maintain your ankle health and you need to make sure you have good range, but it's not really emphasized. And I think one of the biggest reasons is just because when you look at the human body, um, there's not a lot of muscle in your ankle and feet mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, compared to the glutes, right, the hips, you have uh, your largest muscle in the body is in your hips. And as you travel further and further down the leg, the muscles get smaller and smaller. So mm-hmm. um, the, the training industry nowadays, and, um, you know, back when I was learning this stuff a few years ago, is very focused on muscles. It's, and a lot of people don't even really understand what the concept of training your tendons really is. So um, when a lot of people look at that, they, they think, well, uh, you know, we're just going to focus on those larger muscle groups because they produce the most power and, and you're, they would be right about that. But what they miss is that as you travel further down the leg, yes, the muscles get smaller, but the tendons get larger. So the largest tendon in your body attaches your heel uh, to your calf muscles, your Achilles mm-hmm. tendon. So if you never focus on those areas, they're going to become tight, weak, imbalanced. And if all you're ever doing is improving the strength up the chain, you end up with this imbalance. Um, so I think, I think a major reason why it gets overlooked is, is that um, I think people just don't really seem to understand. They don't make the connection um, of how the restricted range of motion affects everything else up the chain. Um, so that's my hypothesis. I, th- mm-hmm. I think there's a, there's definitely other factors involved though, but um, I would say that's one of the main ones. For sure. And, and, I and, think- and also actually one more thing, just, yeah. just a lack of um, a lack of understanding, although we're in an information age nowadays, uh, because we have so much information, it tends to be um, the fact that anybody can go online, make an Instagram account and make a training account. And, and I was guilty of this. Like I was putting out this same information, right? Mm-hmm. Anybody can make a, make a page and start putting out information. So what happens is, yes, we have tons of information nowadays, but is it the right information or is it emphasized properly? Is it emphasized enough? Mm-hmm. Right. And so mm-hmm. what most people associate with speed, vertical jump, if you ask people, oh, what's one good exercise for vertical jump or for speed, a lot of them will just say oh, squats or deadlifts mm-hmm. um, because they're a total body strength exercise. Um, obviously, they're going to work a, a, lower, a large portion of the muscles in your body, um, and they're going to work those larger sort of force producers in your, mm-hmm. in your hips and your quads and your hamstrings. Um, so I think that's a contributing factor as well. Yeah, so I mean, it almost sounds like Again, I'm not, I hope I'm not insulting anyone right now, but it sounds like there's a bit of, of, of just laziness almost because it's like, like you said, if I know, Hey, these things are going to produce the most results the quickest, then I'm just going to focus on those things. And, um, I know you, you, you've used a popular, uh, a common, uh, a really good analogy for this is like the car, you know, the tires and all that and the engine, yeah. but then this would almost be like, you know, I have a car 
and I bought this cool car, but then like, I don't change the oil ever. And then eventually the car just stops working. Like the whole engine will seize up. And it's like, yeah. but people often forget to give their car oil changes. It's like the last thing you think of. You're like, oh, I don't know. But then, you know, it's like, oh, okay, I, got, I guess I got to do that. When your car starts acting up, you're like, I got to change the oil, right? And so it almost seems like, you know, people are almost being a little lazy in a sense that like they know how important these things can be and they do assessments. They look at things and they say, oh yeah, you know, you need to increase this, but they'll give like one out of all the stuff they do in a program. They'll say, okay, here's the one thing that's going to address your ankles. And it's one movement and they do it like once a week or once every once in a while. And most athletes and trainers, and I, I know this, I'm speaking from experience right now is they're just going to skip that stuff. They're going to skip it. They're like, oh, I'm busy. Yeah. Okay. I got to get to my squat. So they might not do those things. So they, they get neglected a second time if they're even put in the programming themselves. A hundred, a hundred, 110%. Um, it's definitely like, I don't, like I said, like um, it's a buzzword to say, oh yeah, everyone's lazy, but like it is, it is. It's like people are um, they're, they're trying. And I think another factor is people want results quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you, um, and I've been in this situation where a client will come to me and they'll say, all right, Matt, how do I, how do I get, I want to jump higher. I want to dunk. Right. And we look at, we look at the athletes and yeah, they have uh, flat tires in their feet. Their feet are flat. Their range is garbage. They have uh, no foot connection with their hips at all. They can't balance through their feet. But if I, I could get them to jump higher in two weeks and uh and actually get those results that they're looking for mm -hmm. um by just doing some plyometric work right um you know just to prime the central nervous system and then also just add some strength right um you will get those results so like you said i think it's an oversight and and it's one of those things where the ankles aren't necessarily um what are going to make you jump higher directly but indirectly, they will allow you to function properly, which means you can train more and train harder. But you'll also be able to, um, you know, when you when you when you take care of those little those little things like the ankles, right? Um, you know, those little accessory movements, it's going to open up more potential for strength gains down the line once mm -hmm. once that structure is working properly so exactly mm -hmm. like the the analogy of the car is perfect because yes like an oil change is not what's going to make you drive faster but it'll make you drive faster if your engine is seizing up and you're not able to move at all of course then mm -hmm. the, the oil change will make you drive faster mm -hmm. so while it's not the actual engine propelling you forward it's enabling that engine to work the way it, it was intended to work mm-hmm mm -hmm. And I think it, it, this reminds me of a, a saying, um, success is in the margins. So, you know, you get the, these gains kind of at the ends of your performance. But now if you turn your body into that, you had mentioned that, you know, you have your main muscles, you know, your, your hips are important, your glutes and all that stuff we hear. Are your glutes firing? These are like buzzwords. Are you all that stuff? You know, your quads, all this. And, and then the ankles can be, con can be considered the margins, right? Like that's where you're going to get those things. That's where you're going to be able to push and like you said, get those gains that you would have been, you essentially would have hit that, you know, plateau and you'd never go past it. And then you can run into injuries and all sorts of stuff, but the margins being the angles, um, you know, if you can like optimize those, now you're going to have that little bit of success that you would have never been able to reach. And that's kind of like, if you turn your body into that and imagine it that way, I can see how that would work. Now I'm curious if you can, now we've touched on it a little bit. Um, just, just let me add one thing to go that. Ahead. Yeah, absolutely. So like, um, the interesting thing is like, you're absolutely right about the margins, right? 
those little margins, it's what kind of makes the difference. But the, the, it, the, the problem is nowadays is that because this is such a prevalent issue, mm -hmm. it, it's not like all those little margins anymore. It's such a prevalent issue with so many athletes that we work for and, or work with and so many athletes and just the members that come through our program, um, you know, they're coming from other training systems or just maybe they're doing workouts, maybe they're not, but uh, for whatever reason, the, it's a major problem uh, with, uh, you know, just people's bodies in general nowadays. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it is a small uh, thing. It's one part of a, of a bigger puzzle, but it's such a common issue that it mm -hmm. needs to be more emphasized. Like you said, it can't be just like, Oh, here, do this one exercise every mm -hmm. week. And you'll open up that range. It needs to be a primary focus in training. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in speaking of that, you know, we talked a little bit of, you know, you mentioned it a little bit of how like your ankle range or limited ankle range can affect, you know, other areas of the body. So like, you know, you had mentioned the uh, foot uh, hip connection, for example. Um, so can you just talk about some specific areas that people would be concerned about with how ankle range of motion, whether it be limited or great ankle range of motion, how they interact with other parts uh, of the body? Definitely. Um, so uh, the first thing I'll, I'll say is the body is a kinetic chain. So it transfers force through the body through all the structures in the body and into the ground. That's how you actually produce power to, to move right forwards or up, whatever it happens to be. So when you have a structure in your body, especially the feet, because you know, the feet are actually the, the point of contact to the ground, um, unless you're wearing shoes, but um, they're the closest thing to the ground. If the foot is not functioning properly, there's so many different things that can happen up the chain. So mm -hmm. for example, um, I like to reference, there's a study done um, back in, I think it was like 2008. And um, essentially what they did is they tested whether or not if you, if you push the knee over the toes in, a, in like a traditional back, uh, back squat with a barbell, the shearing forces on the knees would increase. So they would increase mm -hmm. about 28% they found. And what initially what the research is or what, what people looked at that um, and concluded was that, well, you shouldn't push your knee over your toes, right? Mm -hmm. However, when they, when they did push the knees over the toes, yes, they experienced, you know, that, uh, that increase in shearing forces at the knee, but they also, if they, if they restricted the, the knee from going past the toes, they would experience a thousand times more shearing forces on the lower back. It was, wow. it was, a, it was um, a thousand percent increase. Wow. So uh, not a thousand times more, but a yes. thousand percent increase. Sorry. So 10 times mm -hmm. more forces experienced on the low back compared to about a 28% increase in shearing forces at the knee. Wow. So what does that mean um, for those people who, um, you know, might be using terms that don't, don't really make sense, but Essentially, when you restrict the knee from traveling over the toes, that force and that motion has to come from somewhere else. So if I told you right now um, to stand against a wall, if you want to try this at home, put your knees, uh, put your toes up against the wall and try and squat down as low as you can. Your knees will eventually touch the wall and you won't be able to sit any lower without falling backwards. Mm -hmm. If you keep that position, if you keep your knees from going over your toes, you have to bend more 
at the hips. You have to counterbalance. So you'll see people that are uh, squatting with really poor range of motion in their ankles, and they usually reach their arms out in front of them like this, and they'll counterbalance. Mm -hmm. And what they're actually doing is they're bending more at the hips, lowering down, and then lengthening the lever. So like, like there's more pressure on the back when you have to mm -hmm. do that. So by reducing your range of motion at your ankles, if your ankles are restricted, when you squat, when you deadlift, when you jump, when you do athletic movements, your back is now taking on a large uh, increase of, of shearing forces um, compared to if your ankles were moving freely, those forces would now be evenly distributed throughout the knees, throughout the ankles, throughout the hips, throughout the low back. But if you restrict in one joint, another joint has to pick up the slack. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why it's so common nowadays for people to have low back injuries from, from lifting, like from deadlifting mm -hmm. and from squatting, because people are not able to, um, you know, achieve full range in their ankles. And, and that range of motion is having to be picked up by the hips and that extra force is getting picked up by the lower back. Mm -hmm. So what, what connection does the ankle range of motion play on your knees going over your toes? So if your ankles are restricted, um, you will not be able to drive your knee as far over the toes as if they were opened up. Mm -hmm. So if you remember uh, when I was talking about my situation, I wasn't able to, if, I, if there was a wall and I put my foot against the wall, I wasn't able to drive my knee far enough over my toe to even touch the wall. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you open up the range, you should be able to drive the knee further over the toe. And, and um, what that does is, uh, like I said, with, with squatting and deadlifting, how it affects, uh, how the restricted range can affect things up the chain. There's also a lot of, um, there's also a lot of uh, neurological links between, so there's a, there's, a, there's a nervous system, like in your nerves, there's a link between how much your ankle can actually dorsiflex and how much you can actually use your glutes when you're like running forward, for example. So the more that you're able to able to bend at the ankle, mm -hmm. the more you'll actually be able to recruit your glutes, your bigger muscles when you need them as well. So just, just, again, just for clarity for some people, can you explain what dorsiflexion is? Uh, of course. So dorsiflexion, um, if you you know, if you, uh, you have the foot like this and then the, you know, the, the leg dorsiflexion is lifting the toes up off the mm -hmm. ground. So lifting your toes up towards your shins, essentially. Exactly. So if you were, were going to walk on your heels, you'd be in, you'd have dorsiflexion for example. Dorsiflexion. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. So then, and then that kind of, you know, leads us, we're kind of like naturally going down the path to talking about athletic performance and you just mentioned it, um, mm -hmm. you know, that connection. Can you be more specific on the impact of the ankle and then maybe even talk about some of the accompanying muscles and tendons um, and the effect all of that can have on athletic performance, both, I guess, obviously in a positive aspect and like increasing your, you know, your desired results and, and vertical leap running all that. But then also if you're limited in those areas, what can take place? Definitely. Um, so like I said, there's, um, if your ankle can move freely and, and, you know, dorsiflex, lift the toes up, plantar flex, put the toes down. Um, you're going to be able to recruit the larger muscles in your body when you're in positions that you might find in your sport. So let's take uh, a sprinter, for example. If you imagine a sprinter, the knees are going to be over the toes. They're leaning forward as mm -hmm. they're sprinting. Mm -hmm. If they're not able to lift 
their toes up towards their shin, dorsiflex their ankle enough, they won't actually be able to express the maximum amount of power through their glutes. Mm. So like I said, it affects things up the chain. But if you think about it even more focused on the ankle, if you just imagine uh, somebody with really restricted ankles, they're not going to be able to bend at the ankle, push the knee mm. over the toes and actually mm. play lower to the ground. So just mm. like somebody who has poor ankle range of motion is going to have difficulty squatting. So for those of you who are out there, out there who are listening to this, if you're uh, finding that you have trouble, trouble getting low in your squats, your depth is suffering, it's most likely your ankles. Um, so if you're not able to, to bend freely at the ankle, you're going to not be able to play lower to the ground. And anybody who's played sports over the years knows that um, the lower athlete wins. The lower mm -hmm. athlete is closer. Uh, their center of mass is lower to the ground, which means they're going to be able to change direction quicker. They're going to be able to accelerate quicker. They're going to be able to use the speed that they already have more effectively than somebody who might be restricted through the ankles. Mm -hmm. So um, that's one big piece. Another big piece is the reason why the ankle is tight to begin with. And, and this is a key point. And I think a lot of people uh, miss this concept is that flexibility and mobility is 99.9% .9 neurological, meaning mm. what that means is, is that it's not actually the tissues in your, in your muscles, in your ankles that are actually long or short. What it is, is neurologically, your brain is sending signals to your body to restrict that range in order to protect itself because it's mm -hmm. weak. Mm -hmm. That's why when you injure your ankle, you injure uh, a joint in your body, the range of motion restricts because mm -hmm. your body is placing sort of protective mechanisms around that joint and inhibiting certain muscles um, and restricting the range so that you don't re-injure that structure again. That being said, now that you uh, understand that concept, if the ankle is super tight, it really means that the ankle is super weak in those mm -hmm. ranges that you don't mm -hmm. have access to, right? That makes sense. Now, if you transition that into sports, if you think, if I'm decelerating, if I'm, you know, if I'm sprinting forward and I want to stop, the first motion that I have to be able to do is my heel. Every time I, my heel strikes down onto the ground, as I'm moving forwards, I heel, heel, go heel toe to try and slow down. This motion of stopping my foot from just slamming into the ground is your shins. Your shins are going to keep your toes up in that dorsiflex position. And if your ankles are weak and, and restricted in range, you're not going to be able to decelerate effectively compared to somebody who might have extremely strong, bendy, mobile ankles, right? Their mm -hmm. shins are really strong. Their calf muscles are really strong, opened up. The range is good. You're not going to be able to do that. And what's going to happen is, again, the force is now going to be distributed somewhere else, meaning mm -hmm. you, know, you might have shin splints, um, which is really common for runners. Mm -hmm. You also might develop uh, knee tendo, tend, uh, tendinitis or tend, tendinopathies. So you might develop knee pain or, um, you know, structural damage to the knee just because it's, it's having to take on more force. If the ankle is strong and mobile, you'll be able to absorb that impact through the ankle first before the force travels up to the knee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So as you can see, like it's, a, it's, it really is, it really comes down to, if you think of your body as a kinetic chain, right? All the links are working together. 
if you imagine like just uh, if you have a chain, right, like a, or a rope, right, and one part of the rope is really weak, well, it's going to affect the entire chain. The function mm-hmm. of the whole chain now is compromised. It mm-hmm. works the exact same way mm-hmm. with the body. No, that's a great, great visual. I can imagine, right? Like, and you've said it earlier, it's like your foot hits the ground first and it just travels up. And so if you have compromised ankles, well, guess what? It's going to, has to go, the force has to go somewhere. There's all this force generated that you're, you're stopping it. It has to go somewhere. And, and again, our bodies should be, if your body is balanced properly, it's not that big of a deal, but if it isn't, that's when you, like you said, you start running into those issues. And I've had shin splints, I've had uh, knee issues where it's like, you know, like the tendonitis, everyone has freaking tendonitis and, and it's, and it seems so obvious um, that it's that it's from that, because you know what you've told me before that people uh, you test, like you said at the beginning, you've test people, basketball players, and all of them have crap ankles, like all of them. And then most basketball players, especially when they're growing up or even when they're like early twenties, they all have knee, like my knee tendonitis, right? Everyone has it. Everyone's had it at some point. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's super interesting. I kind of just want to go back because I have a question for you. So we were talking about squatting, talking about ankle range. Is that why you see people, um, you know, uh, they'll elevate their heels when they squat so that they're essentially, you know, cheating and increasing their own range because they're elevating their heels. And so they can go into, you know, a quote, a deep squat and do a quote, 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 unquote, deep squat, but they can only achieve that squat healthy in a, in a, in a healthy way without putting pressure on other areas because they've essentially hacked their ankles. Like it's an ankle hack. Is that the case? Yeah. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call it cheating because, um, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, yes, they are restricted. That's the short answer. So Mm -hmm. if you can't, um, if you elevate the heels, you don't need as much ankle range of motion to get into those low positions. Mm -hmm. Now I wouldn't necessarily call it cheating because, um, in training, you know, and, and like, this is another reason why ankles get overlooked. I think a lot of trainers, they don't understand how to open up the range and they'll have an athlete that, you know, can't squat. Um, and so what they'll do is they'll just elevate the heels, right? Now you can get the mm. athlete to squat again. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why it, it, I think trainers kind of get into this is because, well, you don't want to, it's not wasting time, but you don't want to use a lot of time just focusing on the ankles and then like, okay, you might open up the range of motion in the ankles and like the performance would increase. But if the initial client's goal is to improve their squat, a lot of trainers will look at that situation and be like, well, I can still improve the squat if I just take the ankles out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you'll, you know, I mean, weightlifters do it all the time. You see people in the gym Absolutely. all the time with weightlifting belts, right. So that their back is no longer the limiting factor. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you can elevate the heels so that the, the ankles are no longer the limiting factor. Now, if you're doing this in the proper context, I don't see a problem with it. I actually do uh, elevate my heels because it allows me to get full bend, like full bend where I can sit on my heels mm-hmm. when I squat down, like I go all the way down. And my range of motion is still uh, opening up. So I'm not actually able to squat that low all the way down 100% depth with my ankles. So I do elevate my heels. However, it's not a problem if you're still working to get that ankle range. The goal should be to not need those lifts, but to actually be able to squat ass to grass um, without having to elevate your heels. So that's a really good question. And again, it's like, it's, it's a good way to kind of understand why this gets overlooked mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the training industry. And, and just to actually go back uh, to one point that you were talking about in terms of 
limiting factors where um, the ankles might limit uh, all the performance up the chain. There's, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, if anyone knows uh, Paul Fabritz in the training industry, he's one of the biggest NBA strength and conditioning specialists. Uh, and, and he's really big in terms of vertical jump and speed. And he has been quoted as saying that the knees are the limiting factor. With, with the population that he's working with, people that are jumping, running, sprinting, the knees tend to be the limiting factor, right? So it's important to unpackage that and actually look at what's causing that first rather than just addressing the knee, but actually addressing the joints below it. And a lot mm-hmm. of times it is the feet or ankles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I, I just, I guess maybe this is just I mean, me asking, I know what I think, but I'm not an expert. So, you know, getting back to the squatting, elevating your heels, I guess if you, like you said, if your goal, if you, if someone's goes into a gym, they get a trainer and they're like, okay, we're going to teach you how to squat. And they're like, they can't squat. So they elevate their, 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 their heels so that they can get into a, a squat position that they see is, is, you know, uh, adequate for what they want. But if the goal of that person is not indeed to become a better squatter, like they're not lifters, they're not like, Hey, I want to get a better squat. They're like, I just want to, I'm an athlete. I want to be more athletic or I want to be like, uh, perform better without pain. Aren't you somewhat doing a disservice to someone who hasn't opened up their ankle ranges at all and saying, Hey, well, you, your ankle range sucks, but we're just going to elevate your heels. And guess what? You can squat. And then like, hey, clap, let's clap because we can throw some plates on there and you've increased your squat over the next three weeks. It's, it's almost like, again, like you said, context matters. And if you're doing other work, it's okay. If you're just a, a lifter and that's your only goal and that's your sport, then maybe it's okay as well, right? But if you're a basketball player and you're saying, hey, I, I'm going to go train and you have poor ankle range of motion and then your trainer just says, hey, we're going to elevate your heels aren't you almost like doing the exact opposite of what we're talking about? Like you're almost saying like, well, your heels, your, your ankles, no, they don't matter. We're actually just going to ignore them altogether. Now, having said that, if the trainer is doing all sorts of other work, like you said, maybe that's okay. But if they're not, should that be like a red flag for like people in your opinion? I think it definitely should be. I think that, um, it's extremely important to focus on what is the limiting factor of athletes. Um, so I, I definitely uh, agree with that, that it's doing the athlete a disservice because what you're actually doing there, just like you said, is you're eliminating a certain joint out of the equation and you're artificially jacking up the power of the hips, quads, you know, glutes, whatever else the muscle, whatever the muscle is. This is why there's a disconnect. And a lot of trainers, coaches, athletes know this. This is why there's a disconnect between who is the strongest in the weight room and who is the strongest and most athletic on the court, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Who can actually express the power that they have? It's not about, if you take a basketball team, a lot of times the quickest, fastest athlete is not the heaviest squatter. Mm-hmm. It's actually the opposite. A lot of the times, sometimes the, the, the guys who are not able to squat super heavy are the quickest, lightest, most mobile guys on the court. So um, why is that? Because you're taking... You're taking one of the limiting factors out of the equation. And like I said, you're jacking up those larger muscles. Mm. So it's really important in your training while there, while there, you can focus on a muscle group individually from time to time, that's okay. You have to have the structural balance of that athlete in mind at all times. So for example, if your ankle is, is uh, so tight that you're not able to squat, 
you should be focusing on that. That should be your number one priority. Not, I want to jump higher and not, oh, I want to improve my squat because it's going to help me jump higher, run faster. You need to take care of those ankles first. And what you'll actually find is that you might take some time off lifting and you might, and I went through this. I, I went through a period of time where I, I didn't lift any weights because I was just focusing on my range of motion and my ankles and, and other areas of my body. You might feel like you're losing strength and, and you are, you are losing uh, some of the power and strength that you might've had in the past. However, once you start to open up that range of your ankles, your athleticism will come back and then some. Mm -hmm. So even though like you might not have the power that you did when you were lifting really heavy, you will be able to use the power that you already have in your body more effectively. And there'll be less restricting factors on that power. So now when you go back to lifting, now you're not going to run into those plateaus. A lot mm -hmm. of times people, they, they train, they train, they train, and they reach a certain level and they can't get past it because their body is, is limited. Their body is structurally imbalanced. And there's something along the kinetic chain, like the ankle, sometimes it's the knee, sometimes it's also the hips, that is limiting the expression of that force uh, that, that you need to put into the ground in order to move forward. Like you can't jump without pushing through your feet into the mm -hmm. ground. You just can't get around it. So you need to focus on that. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And, and like, it's, it's, uh, it is very common. And you talk to a lot of trainers and they'll, they'll say it. Yeah, like a lot of times the weight room numbers don't translate this mm -hmm. is why mm -hmm. have traditional training methods left you in pain and injured after working out or playing sports are you lacking clear guidance or you find that personal training is too expensive if so alliance athletics is exactly what you've been looking for alliance athletics is an online training platform their team of coaches assess every client and coach your form after every workout to ensure you're getting the best results possible they have helped hundreds of people live pain-free after years of suffering, as well as transform the bodies of people of all ages, sports, and walks of life. You can learn more about their training methods, success stories, and programming on their Instagram at alliance underscore athletics underscore, or their website at alliance-athletics.com. And right now we have a special promotion for 50% off the first month of training with Alliance Athletics. Visit the link in the show notes to access your discount now. It's almost like one, one step backwards, two step forwards, right? With regards, you stop, you get your ranges, that's the step back in power, but then you're gonna be that much better when you come back. So you, you mentioned the feet. Um, now, obviously we've talked about the ankles, but, but in every uh, sentence that includes the, you know, the deceleration, we also, you know, the foot touches the ground first. So what role uh, does the foot itself, the toes uh, play in the ankle function? Like how do they, how do they communicate? Um, so the, the intrinsic muscles of the feet, like the feet, the muscles that are actually deep inside your feet are extremely important because I think a lot of people, they look at the foot as one unit, um, but it actually has more, more bones, um, and more muscles condensed in that area than any other area of the body. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have that many joints in one place anywhere else. The hand is pretty close. Um, but again, that's obviously extremely important, right? If you can't if your foot can't function properly, it'll affect everything else up the chain. One, one example of that is, uh, so the, the big toes or the big toe, 
a lot of people, they have what, uh, what people call bunions, where their big toe pulls in towards their others. Mm -hmm. The reason why that happened, there's a lot of reasons why it can happen, but commonly that happens because that big toe, the function of it has been lost because we wear shoes all day. And the big toe now pulls in towards the other toes because it's been compressed by wearing shoes. Like shoes will push you all your, jumble up your toes together. And you're not actually pushing through the big toe when you walk, when you run or jump anymore. So that toe now sort of moves out of the way so that it doesn't have to like actually push into the ground and push you forwards. So when that toe moves inwards, you're not able to move it properly anymore. Certain muscles in your feet will literally shut off. Like you mm -hmm. can't activate them. So um, for those of you who are listening, I'll challenge you. See if you can actually plant all your four toes down into the ground and just lift your big toes straight up and see how high you can actually do it. A lot of you probably won't even be able to lift it off the ground. And that's a problem because if you can't activate those muscles in your feet, again, it's going to affect things up the chain. So there's a strong link between how much you can dorsiflex, lift that big toe up off the ground and how well your hips actually function. So mm. Um, another example of it is if you have flat feet and your, your feet are, uh, you know, caving inwards like this, what happens is that the structure, the bones in your foot actually shift and there's a bone called the talus in your foot. And it, it's essentially, it sits right at the bridge of your ankle where your ankle moves and that bone gets in the way. So that when you try and push your knee over your toe, you try and bend your ankle, that bone is actually sitting in the way and you'll actually feel a pinching sen sensation. Um, you could, you know, run into injuries, but it's also just, it, it, it's physically incapable of moving past that bone because the, the structure of your foot has actually changed compared mm -hmm. to how it was evolved to function. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's really important to, you know, when you're considering training the foot, and the ankles, it's really important just to consider the fact that, uh, you know, humans are animals and we need to function the way we evolved to function. We need to take that into account when we're training. We can't just move uh, barbells around and expect to move fluidly and, and move athletically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. And I think, you know, you, we could probably have a whole conversation just about the feet. Um, I just, I, so we won't go too far into it. I know that you uh, have some, uh, some information on your uh, Instagram, on the Alliance Instagram, uh, Alliance Athletics. So you definitely check that out. And um, I just want to kind of touch on it. And so maybe we will, have, maybe I will have you back and we will talk about the foot and uh, what, how important it is and maybe some strategies, but I want to kind of stay on the ankle. Um, now I want to kind of transition to uh, some practical applications for people. So, you know, what are some exercises that people can do right now? I mean, you mentioned one, you know, put your knees to the, the wall and try to touch your, or touch, put your toes to the wall, try to touch your knees uh, to the wall as well. But what are some of some things that they can do right now to test their ankle range of motion? So to test your ankle range, I, um, we use what's called an ankle clearing test when we assess our clients. So when people come in, we'll, we'll look right away to see where their ankle range is at. Um, we have sort of landmarks that we use, which is a little bit difficult for me to explain over, uh, over this right here without a subject actually in front of me. Mm -hmm. But essentially what you should be able to do is if you put your toes to your, to your heel, so put one foot in front of the other mm -hmm. and try and sit as low as you can to the ground. 
if you feel pain, right, you might feel that pinching sensation in the front of your, in the front of your ankle. Um, you might feel pain in, in the back where your Achilles tendon is. Um, but you might also notice that you're not able to sit really low down to the ground. What you should be able to do is your back, your back knee should sort of cross over your toes and then go, you know, partially past your other foot. So it's, it's, it's difficult to explain. Essentially, what you want to do is you want to see how far you can push your knee over your mm -hmm. toes. Mm -hmm. So I like to actually, if you, if you're just at home by yourself, I would recommend using a wall and see how far you can actually move your toe. So if the wall is here, start with your toe touching the wall and try and touch your knee to the same point. If you're able to do that, now move the foot slightly back and mm -hmm. see how far can you move the foot back while you're still able to touch the knee to the wall. And you'll have a good idea of, of uh, how much your ankles are actually able to move. If you wanna get really specific, the shin should be somewhat at a 45 degree angle. So you can, uh, you, know, you can use a leveling app if you want or something to do that. Um, but like I said, we do have a test that we use and uh, you do want to have somebody who is uh, certified and is experienced to be able to, uh, you know, test for you if you mm -hmm. uh, can't do it yourself. Mm -hmm. So for the, the wall test, uh, should it be one leg at a time or both at the same time? I guess one at a time? Definitely one at a time because uh, you can definitely have imbalances, right? So it's very mm -hmm. common for someone who has like an ankle sprain uh, to have restricted range of motion in your ankles. So sometimes we have athletes that while they test really well on one side, the other side is uh, is pretty tight. And uh, mm -hmm. you'd mentioned that we, we did some testing with some athletes and we did find a lot of, a lot of basketball athletes had, you know, one ankle was also tight, but the other ankle was a lot worse. Right? So it, yeah, it, it's yeah. not uncommon for that to happen. So you do want to test one foot at a time. Okay. And now, so kind of, we talked a little bit about assessment. Now, what are some go-to exercises? Um, maybe, you know, maybe these aren't exercises that you advise people to do without supervision or without a coach, but so that they know, what are their go-to exercises to start building more resilient, robust ankles? Yeah. Awesome question. So, um, the first thing that you want to focus on is we want to open up that range. And the second thing we want to focus on is we want to strengthen that range so that the range actually lasts. A lot of times what will happen is if you go to a physiotherapy clinic or you go to uh, see a specialist, this is what happened with me. They just say, well, stretch your ankles, stretch your calves. That's okay. Like you can, when you static stretch, you can open up some range, but it doesn't actually last because again, you need to add strength in order to make that range stay. You need to earn that range. So what we like to do is we like to do exercises that simultaneously stretch the ankle, but also strengthen it at the same time. So we use a Patrick step up. Um, it's one of my favorite ways to open up the ankle. Essentially what you're doing is you're going to stand on a flat surface, one foot, um, one stand on one foot on a flat surface. And I wouldn't even start elevating it yet. You can do this right from the ground. But just reach your heel, your other, your other foot, reach your heel forwards and touch your heel to the ground and then drive through the foot that's grounded and stand back up again. So you're essentially trying to bend as much as you can at the knees and ankles. Try not to hinge forward. You're going to reach forward and touch that heel down to the ground. From there, you can, as your range increases, you can stack up, you know, 
plates or maybe a step up. Uh, you can use a stair at your home. It might be a little bit too high depending on uh, how high your stairs are, but you can use something to elevate your foot and then reach down to the ground with your heel. The reason why you use your heel is so that you're, if you use your toes, you can push into the ground and sort of use your other leg to help. We wanna isolate that one leg that's on the ground. So we're gonna to touch only the heel of the other foot to the ground and then come back up. So that way we reach all the way down, we get a nice stretch and then we push through the ankle and we actually strengthen it as well. Mm. Another really good one that you can do to um, open up range of motion is strengthen your shins. So most people again will think, well, how am I gonna open up range of motion in my ankles by strengthening my shins? think about back to when we were talking about dorsiflexion. So as your toes lift up towards your shins, just lift your toes up towards your shins. If you want to do this with me from home, you'll feel your shin working, right? So as you lift your toe up towards your shins, you feel your shin firing up. The stronger that that muscle gets and the more robust that that muscle gets, the easier your ankle will get into dorsiflexion because you have the strength to pull yourself into dorsiflexion. So I like to use uh, what, I, what I call weighted ankle rotations. And you can do this without weight too to start. Um, so grab, grab a light weight. You can use a dumbbell, a plate, even a kettlebell. Um, even like a water bottle works well too. Um, and then you're gonna, th you're gonna take like a resistance band or something, a strap, and you're actually going to strap that weight to your foot. You can hang it off the edge of a bench. And then you're just going to take your ankle through full range of motion, just drawing mm -hmm. big circles with that weight attached to the bottom of your foot. Mm -hmm. And what that's going to do is it's going to stretch out your ankle in full range, but it's also going to strengthen uh, the muscles that are going to actually control that range as well. So you're going to stretch out the whole range, but then you're going to strengthen your shins. And so balancing out your shins and your calves is a big time key for opening up range of motion in your ankles as well. And the last thing I'll leave you with uh, in terms of like an exercise that you can use, um, actually I have two, I have, I have two more. So yep. one, one other thing you can use are what are called um, PALES and RAILS. So um, it's an acronym and it stands for Progressive Angular Isometric Loading. So there's a lot of words there. That's pales, and then rails is regressive, uh, angular, progressive, or isometric loading. Now, pales and rails, what they sort of boil down to is essentially you're gonna get into a stretch position. You're gonna stretch your ankle, so drive your knee as far over the toe as possible. And now you're gonna push down into the ground without actually moving your ankle. So you're gonna hold your ankle in that position, but create tension. What that'll do is it'll create strength and then that range will stick a little bit longer. So uh, you can visit our website if you wanna uh, look up pails and rails and, and how to incorporate them into your training. But essentially what you're doing is you're stretching and now you're gonna activate those muscles in those stretched positions. And that's gonna help train your body to open up that range for you. So that's another technique that we use. Again, it's, it's a little bit easier digested with a video, which you can check out on our Instagram page. We've got lots of stuff on there. The last thing I'll leave you with though, is uh, another way to open up range of motion is sometimes, like I said, people have flat feet and that, that bone in your ankle gets in the way. So you'll see a lot of people, they put a band around their ankle and then they'll do an, an ankle stretch. That works, it's a, it's a 
you know, a short-term fix for the issue. Um, but sometimes it is the case that your foot might be so dysfunctional that you need to wear orthotics uh, in order to put your foot into a proper position so that those those bones can now move freely. So in some cases, you can be limited by the structure of your foot alone. And so finding a way like orthotics, or sometimes it's just uh, intrinsic foot strengthening. Sometimes it's strengthening your foot, um, but achieving proper foot function will open up the range as well for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's all great information. And like you said, um, you know, we'll have uh, your Instagram and website uh, below. So if you're listening, you're like, man, there's so much information. As Matt said, uh, we'll have that information on his website and uh, Instagram. It's a great resource. I just wanted to add one thing, um, kind of from a layperson's perspective. And you mentioned it in so many ways throughout the entire conversation. Um, when we talk about range of motion, and you and and you know we you brought up static stretching, right? And if you think of like doing like the traditional stretch against the wall with your ankle, like, so your you know, your ankles behind you and you're pushing up against the wall and your ankle is essentially in, it's essentially in a dorsiflexion, right? But it's not your, 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 um, your uh, shin muscles are not activated. Like they're completely passive and you're forcing it into that. So having proper range of motion. And as Matt said, is having the ability for your ankle to go into these ranges so stretchy ranges but be strong in them so like you imagine someone who like rolls their ankle and matt talked about this you know it protects you but if you're strong in those in those ranges where like you might go over on your ankle and nothing will happen because it, it, it a you're used to going to that range but b you are completely fine to like be in there and it be strong and I, it's funny because i just want to kind of leave with um, leave us leave this will be my final thought is the, i saw this guy on instagram and the video starts and he's freaking like running with his ankles, like rolled, like, like on his side, like his ankles are like on his, like he's has rolled ankles, but because he's so strong and he has such good range, he has strength in that range. He can do that. And then the video continues and he does a box jump with his ankles like that. And then he's doing, he's hurtling. And I was like, okay, come on now underneath the video. Wasn't saying like, Hey, everyone should be able to do this, but he was speaking to exactly everything we're talking about here is that, you know what? he was an extreme example, but he was able to essentially go into a place with his ankles where most people, most basketball players, most athletes, if they did that, they would be injured. It would be an injury for them where for this gentleman, it was just everyday business. And so I think that's kind of like what this whole conversation leads to is like, you want your ankles to be robust and resilient because then you will be able to, you know, roll your ankle, but it's not an injury. You just, your ankle just rolled and you're okay. You know? So uh, in saying that, I want yeah. to know if there's anything else, you know, you want to leave us with before we sign off. So, you know, reply to that whole rant I went on, uh, anything else, man, the floor is yours. And this will be the last, uh, you get the last, uh, comment. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I agree with everything you said. Um, and you know, I'll, one thing I'll leave you guys with is exactly what Darcy said, how, you know, this individual was able to get into ranges that would normally injure somebody and be comfortable and perform in those ranges. The same way that that applies to injury prevention, you can apply that to performance. Mm -hmm. So what I'm gonna leave you with is do not overlook the feet and the ankles because what it'll allow you to do is compared to the people who are overlooking it, it might allow you to get into positions that they aren't even able to access. And when you're able to do that, 
you're going to move more efficiently. You're going to move more fluidly. And you will, you know, for example, like I said, play lower to the ground than your opponents. And it doesn't even matter if they're a better athlete in terms of, or they can run faster or like they can lift more weight. They can't get into those positions that you're able to. Mm-hmm. They're, they're dead. They're, they're not, you know, basketball sports in general is, is games of positions. And if you can't, if, if your opponent can't access the positions that you're getting into, you're going to blow right by them. Right. So I'm going to leave you with that and, and just really the, the, you know, emphasize again, don't overlook the ankles, train the feet and work your way from the ground up. Well said brother. Uh, and I appreciate you coming on and spreading that, that good word. Yeah. Thank you so much, Darcy. Thanks for having me. I'd love to be back too. Absolutely. Maybe we'll have that talk about the feet. Yeah. <laughs> All right, brother. Take care. You too. Thank you for listening to the back to basketball podcast. If you want to support this podcast, you can do so by clicking the link in the show notes, subscribing, rating, and leaving a review for the podcast, as well as following us on social media. We thank you for your support and see you in the next episode.